house of the Lord tonight. How many feel His presence and His Spirit in this place? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Joy, for leading us to the throne of grace. In just a moment, we'll dismiss our firm foundation. Our children are already in classes. Youth are already in youth classes. Can we just stand tonight and just reach out to the Lord? Just lift up our hands without doubting. Let's just exalt the King of Kings in this place. Sister Crutchfield's going to lead us in worship for a moment. Can we just lift up His name? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we exalt you and we praise you. Oh, we adore you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you tonight. God, you're so
let's magnify him right now. We thank you, Jesus. God, we give you glory and we praise you. You are amazing, wonderful, great, and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Clap your hands one more time to him. Now step out of the cube and share and greet someone in Jesus' name. Our firm foundation can be dismissed, the firm foundation. Thank you, Sister Crutchfield, for leading us in worship.
Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Tonight, I want to talk about connected again, but a little uh, different. I want to talk about the vitality of assimilation. The vitality of assimilation. Can we pray and call on the name of Jesus? Brother Banks, would you lead us in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and this hour. And we come before you today, Lord Jesus. Allow us to receive the words you have for us today. Bless the man of God as he brings forth today, Lord Jesus. Bless the congregation as they hear the word, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. In your holy and precious name we all say. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand of praise again. He's a good God. You can be seated in Jesus' name. On Sunday, uh, it was kind of neat for me. Uh, Saturday, we, we'd gotten home, long travels. We went to General Conference. Friday, we hit the airport in Indianapolis about noon, uh, 1 o'clock, somewhere around that, expecting to be home. Later that evening, Lauren was going to pick us up in Savannah, bring us to the house, and uh, flight got delayed. And the problem is, is when your uh, flight, your first flight gets delayed, oftentimes that messes up your second flight. And so that messed up my second flight, and I knew it did. They said we're two hours delayed, and I was like, well, I'm going to get to Dallas, Texas, uh, and. My flight to Savannah is going to be already departed. So I went to the lady at the counter and asked for her help, and she was not willing to help me. She sent me to another counter who was not willing to help me, who sent me to another counter. And finally, somebody hesitantly, huffingly helped me and got me to Jacksonville about 1 a.m. Uh, and so we got home the next morning. I got home. And I was seeking the Lord, and I went to prayer. And you know, a lot of times when you're praying about something, it's more of an intercession prayer, right? You all know that travail. Uh, you, you're just uh, one or the other. You're just seeking God. How many you go all in? Go all in in prayer. And, and so what was really neat about this for me is usually that's how I like to enter in. But I, I sat down on the couch, and I leaned over. In my, uh, in my office, and I leaned over. I had, I had already been on my knees, and I'd already, uh, you know, had a little cushion and gotten down on my knees. And, and then I, I just sat up on there, and, I, and, and I'd already been talking to him, but I just, I just said, Lord, what do you want for tomorrow? And usually it's really not simple. It, it's not. And I said, what do you want for tomorrow? And he said, connected. I, I've got notes from General Conference and from vacation. Every time I felt the Lord impress something on me, I jotted it down. I had, I had so many sermons. It wasn't that I didn't have something. It was, you know, out of all this I've got, what do you want me to talk about tomorrow? And it absolutely had nothing to do with any of my notes that I had. He, he just said, connected. And I said, okay. And then I was like, well, I'm doing both services tomorrow. And... Is this for the 11 o'clock or the 9.30? And he said, both. And I was like, ah. And uh, 
and, and so, but it was just that simplicity. You know, sometimes I think we do make uh, talking to God and our relationship with God more difficult than it has to be. And sometimes the only reason we're not hearing Him in simplicity is perhaps we're not listening in simplicity. And, and, and how he just so simply talked to me Saturday, just amazing, and I loved it. And, and you can just sit down and talk to God, just like you're talking to your neighbor or someone else. Have you ever thought about that, how powerful, how mighty? Here is the king of the universe, the uh, maker of heaven and earth, the one who created us, who breathed into us the breath of life, and, and yet... You don't have to have all kinds of prerequisites done. You don't have to meet with multiple people before you meet with him. And, and you know, much like if you were going before the king or before the royalty, and yet the presence of God, you're able to just, just simply talk to him. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? So. Jesus said in Mark chapter, or Luke chapter 10, or Mark chapter 10, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. We're talking about connected and the vitality of assimilation. Now, earlier in chapter 10 of Mark, Peter asked the question. And he asked Jesus, basically, it says, Peter began to say unto him, Lo! We have left all and have followed thee. And have you ever asked the question? Have you ever asked, I've given up everything. I've committed this to Christ. I've sacrificed this. Have you ever, and, and, um, have you ever asked the question, what am I going to receive for it? And nobody's throwing their hand in the air. But everybody would probably have to admit at some point in time in your relationship with God, if you've given up anything, it, you, you may not be asking for that purpose, but you are wondering or you have wondered. And, and Peter here, have you felt Peter's emotion here? How he's feeling? God, you know, I've given up everything. Just what's it going to be like? I don't think it was being contrary. He just uh, he earnestly wanted to know. I've left it all and I've followed you. I've given up everything. And and honestly, I don't think Jesus is upset by Peter's question here, because he just answers him just in simplicity, kind of. Verse twenty nine, and Jesus answered. Peter basically asked, and Jesus answered. You know that you can ask, and he will answer. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man, nobody, that's left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel. Verse 30 says, But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mother, and children, and lands 
He, he's just very simple and transparent with Peter. Peter wants to know, I'm giving up everything and I'm following after you. I've, I've, we left it all. We, we left everything and we came after you. What, what's going to happen? What, what's up with that? How's that going to turn out for us? And, and the Lord gives a simple answer. You're going to receive a hundredfold. I'm not just talking about the heaven in this time. Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. Now, he also doesn't leave everything out. He tells you the truth. With persecutions. It's coming. There's going to be persecution that's coming too. And in the world to come, which is ultimately what we want more than anything, eternal life. Yeah. It's eternal life in the world to come. It's serving God. Always doing what we want to do. It's serving God doing what we want to do. Usually the opposite. So it's not about what we're gifted. That would make sense, right? What I'm talented to do is where God would use me. And, and I got some mm-mms out there because it doesn't work like that all the time, does it? If we would think it would, hey, I, if I'm skilled here, if I'm talented here, then God would use me here. You know, my carpenter skills are amazing. They're not. And if uh, I... When we were redoing the kitchen, I got down. You can ask Brother Cruz tried to lay some flooring. And someone rescued me. But thank the Lord. And, uh, and, and Brother Josh Warner and Brother Cruz ended up, if I'm not mistaken, laying that floor. It's, it's not that I can't do it, but it's not necessarily what I'm talented to do. And, but even though you're not talented to do something, doesn't mean God won't call on you at times to do what you're not gifted at, and perhaps he may not even use you in your gifting or your talent to do what you want to do. And, and, and he'll use you to do something else. Because is it about our ministry? No, it's about his. Or is it about his ministry? Is it about serving God and doing what he asks us to do? Or is it about serving others? And being connected is really about serving others. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. It was at the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper and before His arrest, nearing the cross of Calvary in Luke 22. He said, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from me. And we all probably have things in our life we wish God would just remove. We, we wish God wouldn't we wouldn't have to go through this. Amen. We wish we wouldn't have to deal with some things. But some things we have to deal with. Right. And he's saying, Father, remove this from me. Take this cup away from me. Take this pain. Take this, uh, take this that I've got to do. Take it away from me. Yes. Nevertheless, not my will. Not my will. But thine be done. Yes. Your will be done in me, through me. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And then notice this, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his, he was praying so intently here that his sweat, what, he was no longer just producing sweat. 
but sweat and blood were coming out, falling to the ground. And he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow, said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So Jesus had lived this sinless, spotless life. His life was on purpose. He, it was about saving us. It was about uh, reaching us. And yet, it, and let me say this, it wasn't about us having a one-time experience with Him. It wasn't about us praying one prayer, one simple prayer one time, and that's it. We walked away and we never lived for Him again. But it was so we would have an experience with Him and ultimately surrender to His will and His plan for our life. Now I want to ask you, what is your will? What is your will? You think about that for a second. I just want you to kind of, I want you to stir your mind up. What is my will? What, what do I want to do? And now I want to ask you to think about this one too. What is God's will? What's God's will? And then one more question. Which one are you more committed to? Which one of those are you more committed to? Jesus was 12 years old, missing from his mother and father, earthly father, for three days. Gone. Can you imagine that feeling? Missing. Three days. Imagine, Brother Banks, the agony that they went through, wondering where their 12-year-old was. And it says in Luke 2, And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you done this to us? Why have you dealt with us like this? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? What is your father's business? What is your father's business? Mark 10 and 45 says he came... Not to be served, but to serve others. Have you been about your father's business? Now notice a few things. First of all, where was he? Where was Jesus, this 12-year-old? Where did they find him? In the temple. Key, key point, he was in the temple. And who was he talking to? Doctors and people. Just, just people. And, and who, who was listening? So he was in the church. I know it's the Old Testament. But he was in the temple and he was talking to people. And he was teaching people. If not his business, what business are we about? I believe we need in this hour to be about his business more than any business. Jesus is coming back. We are headed toward things like a cashless society. It's harder to use. I don't know how many times the past few weeks I had to use a card because cash was not an option. It's wars and rumors of wars. The return of Jesus Christ in the clouds is coming. And the world is rapidly changing. But in that, all of that, that, that doesn't matter as much as this, that we must be about His business. And that it has to be more about his and less about mine. And if we are about his business, he will take care of our business. 
if we're about his business, he will take care of our business. And, and, and so uh, with, with that, what do we need to be about? What's his business? Is witnessing? Y'all help me out. Yes, no. Is witnessing his business? All right. Winning, is that his business? No. Worshiping, is that his business? Is that about his business? Absolutely. Warring in the spirit and prayer, is that about his business? Yes. Whining, is that about his business? No. Okay. Not just winning, but continuing to win. Overcoming power. And with that, we have to get over ourselves and love others. We have to get over ourselves and love others. I believe it was Cain that said, Am I brother's keeper? And the best answer is yes, you are and you should be. We must care about God, but also God's kingdom, His purpose, and His people. Too many people in this hour are about themselves. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about people in general. They're about themselves. If they, uh, many people that are professing to be Christians yet not following Christ's principles and teachings, they're 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 saying they're about God, but they will also tell you, as we said on Sunday, they're not necessarily about His church. Don't have to have the church. Don't need the church. I can worship God at home. Many say I I am good right here. I don't need. Uh, people, but guess what? You need people, and people need you. And God needs you to touch people and to reach people. And, and, and we're not an island. And the saints and the care of the saints is very vital in this hour. We need to be connected. Look at your neighbor and say, We need to be connected. Not only do we need to be connected. But we are called to be connect points. We are called to make connections for the kingdom of God, for God and His purpose. And we should be about assimilation. Pastor, why are you using that word? Well, it's somewhat in the Bible. And we should care about assimilation. And I'm talking to you about the vitality of assimilation tonight. Now, what is assimilation? Anybody got a quick answer? Putting things together. Becoming like whatever. Becoming, yeah. becoming like. Accepting other cultures as, their own, as they are. Absolutely. Y'all read the dictionary already? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good. An act, process, or instance of assimilating. And uh, the incorporation or conversion, one is in, of nutrients. The other is change of sound or speech so that it becomes identical with or similar to a neighboring sound. The process of receiving new facts or responding to new situations. I like, uh, I like theirs better. But, but they're, they're all equaling that definition. We all want people to come to God, right? And come in con connection with God and the body of Christ. And we are all called, once we have been changed, once we have been called into God's grace once we've been filled with the Spirit of God. We are all called to impact other people. And I believe the church is very good at reaching people in certain areas, in certain 
ways. We care about what every first-time guest that comes here feels like, right? And, and we also care about what every second-time guest that comes here, right? And, and I'm getting a few, yes. I got, I got one preacher out here. Like, like this. And, and so with that, we should be willing to go out of our way for that first time. Yes, right? Get out of our comfort zones a little bit. You know, get, get out of our boxes some. And, and, and make them feel welcome. Right? All right. Y'all were with me Sunday. Where'd you go? And, and, and we want to make them feel welcome at home. We want them to feel a part of the body of Christ. How many of you feel like you're called to do that? Amen. You're supposed to do that. Amen. When, when God fills you with His love and His grace, you're supposed to want to emulate that to others, right? Yeah. And, and, and we want them to feel a part. We want them to feel like family. Yeah. And within the first few minutes, within the first few minutes, oftentimes that first time guest has already made a decision if they're going to come back. Who makes them feel that way? Is it the preacher? They probably haven't even met me 30, 40 minutes into. And, and we do. We all do. Whoever we are, we make them feel. We should make them feel in the first few minutes like they belong here. Right? I mean, if we're going to put it on billboards, if we're going to blast it all over the side of our van, if we're going to put it on our website and our business cards and all over our brochures, and look, just turn around behind you right now. If you're going to put it right there and you're saying you belong here, then guess what we ought to do? We ought to act like they belong here when they come in. That's where we, the church, have that responsibility that we care about the first-time guest and we care about the second-time guest. Right. Amen. Now, do we care more about the first-time guest than the second-time guest? No. no. But because he knows the answer to that, but he also knows the action to that. Right. And how am I going to answer that? Do we care more about the first-time guest than the second-time guest? We should care about both of them the same. We should. But church culture has driven people to where sometimes there's a priority on the first-time guest. Am I right or wrong on that? Tell me if I'm wrong. And so should a first-time guest be more important than the second time guest. Do you think about it? The second time guest decided they were going to come back. In those first few minutes, they made up their mind, I'm coming back. And so we ought to care about that. But at what point in time do we not care anymore? At what point in time do we not care anymore? We're supposed to care all the time. That's right. Absolutely. We we should and, and yet and yet sometimes it amazes me that sometimes the people 
that have been in it the longest are the first ones. Sometimes they are the first ones to critique certain things because of how they're not being done and yet it's the same ones that over the years perhaps I've asked would you go greet this person or talk to this person and it's that one that's not willing to do that I'm not speaking in specifics but you understand what I'm saying if I'm going to say something I ought to be willing to do something can I get an amen on that? If I'm going to say something, I'll be willing to do something. Back up what I'm saying. And, and, and the biggest critics often are not willing to be a part of the change that comes in the body of Christ that needs to come in order for the body to become what the body is supposed to be. And God wants us, the church, to help others assimilate not just into our local church, but into the kingdom of God and into the things of God. Our, our calling and what we're supposed to do, every ministry in this church should be really and truly about helping others assimilate into the kingdom of God, helping them connect, helping them develop that culture and, 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 join, and join in and feel a part. And, and God wants us doing what we can do to help others connect the pieces of the puzzle for their life drawing closer and closer to Jesus Christ. How can I help others assimilate to the kingdom? Am I a coupling? Still a coupling. An angle. Am I a team? Am I a why? Or does the bug stop here? I want you to think about you. This is you. The Spirit of God is supposed to flow through you. And then, as you grow in the kingdom of God, you become a coupling. A connector. You develop connection. When you develop connection, it grows. The more you grow in God, the more God wants you to move from being just a coupling to being somebody that is connected in more than one way and in more than one person and direction. I want to ask you, if God was talking to you today and He was saying, my will is that you connect with others. And my will is that you become like these couplings to connect people to His kingdom and purpose. Then I want to ask you, which one of these Are you? Which one of those are you? Am I a connection piece? That's good. Am I a team or a why? 
that's even better or does it stop right here? If you've ever felt a disconnect, if you've ever been somewhere and you felt unwelcome, anybody ever felt that? Sometimes I wonder if we shouldn't, just not even with our family, just me go out there one day to a church and walk in just to feel that emotion of what it's like to walk into a place that you don't know anybody. You're seeking God. God told you to go here, but you don't know anybody. And feel that emotion. And then if you think about that for a moment, if you allow yourself to sit in that seat for a moment and wonder what that emotion feels like when somebody does that, then that should stir you and help you realize that no matter what I'm called to do, whether it's sound and media or preaching and singing or teaching in prison or any of those ministries, food ministries and marriage ministries and maintenance ministries and greeting ministries and singles ministries, any of those things, caring ministry, any of those things that I am doing, they're important, they are crucial, but they are ultimately about one thing and that is to make people connected and to make people assimilate into the body of Christ. To feel like they are apart, to not feel like they are unwelcome, to not feel like because God loves them. They are His children and He expects us to, and, and therefore I think sometimes the church needs the body of Christ needs to work in these areas. How can you minister to that emotion? Brother Parks, how can you minister to that emotion? That person's feeling that way. What can I do to help them not feel that way? And I'm, I'm just going to say, is this okay tonight? Are you okay? Yes. Yes. You wouldn't tell me no if it wasn't, would you? <laughs> Imagine you're, we're all huddled up over here, and Sister Dre, not Sister Dre, she just came in, and she's the first time ever being here, and she's all by herself. She doesn't have any family here. She doesn't have anyone with her until now, and how many of you have looked at somebody like and you've looked at somebody like that. But how many times did you stay in the conversation that you were in with the comfortable people you were with because you knew them and you didn't do anything about it? Anybody? I'm dead. And, 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 and so am I, what, what kind of connection piece am I being when I look at somebody it's a first-time guest, and I keep talking to my brother of 15 years. The buck stops. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm the cat. I'm the cat. I'm stopping yeah. assimilation That's right. because she's by herself, and I don't even go over there and greet her. Now, is that how 
the ministry I'm called into is supposed to work? No, Absolutely not. How can I minister? I want you to ask yourself right now, and I want you to really think about this. How can I minister to that person? How can I be that change that makes a difference in their life? What can I do different than what I've done before and to affect that change? I want you to think about that for a second. I'll sip on my live coffee. That's about people assimilating. How can I minister in that emotion? Romans 12, verse 9. You asked if that scripture was, if that word was in the scripture somewhat. Let love be without, where's that word? Dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. How many are gifted with hospitality? You want to. That's good. And you are. And that's awesome. And we need that. And we need that. We need you to teach us. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse them not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. We have to care about being connected. We have to care about being connected. Connection needs to be part of each and every one of our ministries and lives. We all need to feel compelled to be more connected to others, helping them assimilate from new believer, from new believer, Brother Steve, to saint, and then to heaven. That's what we're called to do. We want to help people shift, assimilate, to the kingdom. And that is our calling. That is what God has purposed in our hearts and lives. So what ways can we be connected? How can we help others assimilate, not dissimilate, like the scripture says? What can we do? How can we reach out? And I'll start out, I'll just say with the first time guest. How can we do what, what can we do when we see them sitting there? Uh, Sister Dre, do you mind doing me a favor? Okay. Come here for a second. I, I want to tell you how the first time guest feels. Visual illustration. Don't sit too far back. <laughs> then we'll have to see the gift of healing in Look around. Y'all y'all look, look around at everybody. Alright, look around to this side. 
Let's see. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne. That is what a first-time guest often feels like in the house of God. It's a natural emotion to feel all eyes are on you. And so I'm not trying to point out how they feel as much as us in the church who've come here for at least 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, however, five years, seven years, get comfortable, right? You, you, can, you don't have to stay right there. You want to turn around? There you go. Now, I want you to sit in this seat and look out. How does that feel? Feels different, doesn't it? Intimidating, yes. Thank you, sis. You, you can be seated. Let's give her a hand. Thank you, sister. Uh, and, and so, with that, how, what can you do? What can you do to make someone not feel that way? Or maybe you can't prevent them from feeling that way. But how can you help them not feel that way? Number one, you can get up. You know, like if you're talking, you can say, hold up, you know, and you can go to that person. Okay. And uh, I don't know, my group may be different than someone else's, but I'd be like, you know, just like, hey, how are you doing? You know, glad to have you here. And, and you know, if I like something, well, whatever, compliment, or, you know, just trying to make them feel at home. Uh, I really just be myself, but mm -hmm. I, I try to make them feel at home and let them know. You know, well, if you need anything, you know, let me know, and just whatever the Lord leads me, but that they feel comfortable and feel like, you know, they've met a friend, even though I'm just meeting them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you said something she said, well, she was, we'll just say her and Jan Sister Janice are talking, and she tells her, just a minute, let me go talk. What, what else is she doing? She's saying that they're more important than who she's already talking. No, she's hopefully, hopefully she's going to be. Let's both go over there. You're also, you may be teaching someone. If she can do that, I can do that. Another and, way is put yourself in that person's shoes. I mean, I'm in the first time here. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you put yourself in that person's shoes. You empathize with mm -hmm. them. You say, you know, I can relate to how you feel, but... Come with me, and I'll show you how this works. Because I've only been here for like months, yeah. and at the same time, people will be greeting me. Mm -hmm. They mark how you're doing, yeah. and you look at her and say, "Or him, you see how it is." Yeah. And they start realizing, "How long have you been here?" Mm -hmm. like, I want that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I feel wonder when I first came. I felt really welcome, and I've always felt welcome since I've yeah. been here. And that was part of the decision, you know, coming up to Hong Kong because yeah. I have a church. Mm -hmm.
and so then I approached them and welcomed them to, to life, and then I introduced myself and So evangelism is ministry to those outside the church. Now, how can we have an effective evangelism ministry if when they come in the church, they don't feel welcome? I'm not saying anybody does, but I'm just saying we've got to make sure we are all. Even Mark was talking about how he talked to somebody and said, I've only been here a few, you know, a few months, but that's that's ministry to that person. That's a connection. He's already he's been here a few months, been there longer than a few months, count or later, but but been here for a while in that. But still if he's already feeling to be a connection piece, that is ministry. And that's how God can flow. And that's how God can use us and also strengthen the ministries that we are operating in. Those ministries will become stronger when we connect with people more and more. Brother Banks, you got your hand raised. Um, I was just thinking about the fact now. Absolutely, Sister Wright, she's she going to grab you at the door. So that's yeah. true. Mm -hmm. But if they do make it into here, yeah. right, mm -hmm. um, my response is if you see them, at least wave at them, starting off. Mm -hmm. Don't try to bum rush them or <laughs> go, go all in on them because yeah. then they'd be like, these people are crazy. <laughs> you know, but at least acknowledge them, you know, like, hey, welcome to the church or whatever. And when you get that open opportunity, that moment, like what my sister was talking about over there, you break away, you go and you speak to them. But first you got to observe as well because some people aren't, um... you, you got to connect with people. Well, I do want to ask you a question. Though. What's sure. better, overly or underly? I'd rather overly. So three, three points that should happen when someone walks through the doors of the church. First of all, they should be greeted. Mm -hmm. Either before they get through those double doors or once they walk into that foyer, someone should greet them and welcome them every time. It should happen. Second point is someone then should offer to give them directions or instructions mm -hmm. to somewhere or something in the church. I don't know how many times I've looked around People are looking around, and the, where where is where am I supposed to? Especially on Tuesday night, where am I supposed to go? You know what I mean. I walk through those those doors, and there's people in here, and there's people here, and there's people there, and kids are running here, and and I'm not I'm not criticizing. I'm talking tonight because I think we can get better. I think we can grow. I saw my church when I go out to so many yeah. and make sure the first thing I told him about my pastor. Mm -hmm. And I told him it's the best church in the world. Mm -hmm. And I told him the, my, 
the man of God. He loves everybody in the world. I saw my I've, truth. I've had pastors call me <laughs> and tell me, I met somebody from your church in town today. It's like, I bet I know who you met. <laughs>
nobody touch my vehicle, clean it up, spray the tires with armor off. Like, this is my vehicle. And so assimilation goes like that within the church. That church, life. The church, life. My church. That's good. And assimilation becomes when a person takes that ownership and says, I'm going to pick this paper up because this is my church. I'm going to this somebody's job to pick the paper up. And uh, we should, you know. So, so what, were those three, three, what were those three? Somebody write that down for me. I don't know. That church. That church. That church. The church. My church. We need to, somebody needs to write that down. That's good. Amen. That, that's how we need to, when we take that, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I called to do? Can I tell you that if you don't connect and become an assimilator, that whatever the other ministries you're doing, they will be negated, null and void, because they're not going to impact if you're not impacting souls for the kingdom of God and winning people. So with, with that, what... Sister Jacqueline, she said it very well. You know, what am I going to do? I'm sitting over here, first time guest, and I'm in a conversation with Brother Fowler, and I got, hey man, and, and he's good with it. I mean, he might get upset at me with my pen. And, and it happened to me Sunday. I was in a conversation with some with a saint here, and outside, we were talking, we were talking about something, and all of a sudden, here's a second time guest, and, and we stop. That's what we do, you know. And, and he called me back yesterday and was like, hey, finish our conversation. And I was like, yeah, let's finish it. So, so we did. But, but you've got to be aware. You've got to be cognizant of that. And we can't just ignore people. You know, if somebody's sitting there by themselves and we haven't greeted them. Now, like, like somebody was saying, Brother Banks was saying, you know, if 15 people are around her, maybe we, you know, can wait a few minutes. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when they're sitting there by themselves. They're in they're in the center, and uh, you know they, they they feel they feel like she did when we had her up here. That's how they feel, and it's up to us to make them feel part, to make them feel connected, to make them feel assimilated. That's ours. That's that's what we're supposed to do. Who whose ministry is this? That's all of us. That's what we're called to do. Before we're called to do all these other things, we are called to assimilate. You have that from new believer to saint to heaven. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We should reach out to every first time guest. Don't let them stand in the congregation awkwardly while we talk to someone else. We should connect with every second time guest. They came back. They met you and they came back. So we should also connect with them. What can what can we say to them? Welcome back. Welcome back. Great to see you again, isn't it? Absolutely. That's and if we know their name to greet them by their name. If we know oh if you can know their name. You must know their name. You must know their name. The most important thing to a person is their name. 
if you remember their name. If you don't remember their name, they don't think that you're considering them to be important for the most part. And we cannot take the, the thought that I'm not good with names as an excuse for not knowing people's names. Ask them their name, walk away, write their name down, and then come back the next Sunday and do their name again. You know, that, that works. I was studying, I was praying, and, and I was reading a book, and in the book, Raymond Woodward said uh, that we, we lose way too many thoughts by not writing them down. And, and I stopped at that point losing those thoughts, and I started writing them down. I used the notes app, and guess what? I got a slew of notes in two weeks' time from that all over the place, just all kinds of notes. But it's the same thing with names. We used to remember phone numbers, of course, that's in the name. But whatever we put importance on is yeah. what we remember. So I heard an iPod talk about that before, about money. If I ask you to remember everyone's name in here, and you get a million dollars at the end of this session, you remember them. You may not remember anything else I talked about, but you would remember those names by importance. Yeah. So we're able to put importance on something we can remember. Yeah. As long as it's important to us. And that's what another person wants to hear. You're important. So we need a pen. Thank you. We need a piece of paper. And, and that first time guest, we greet. That second time guest, we make sure we welcome them back. Now, we're not doing this for reasons. We're not doing this for numbers. We're doing this because we truly want to help people go from new believer or new member to saint of God or member here to heaven. That's what we're called. We're called to, to, to help people get from this point to this point. Right? That's what that's what every, every ministry within this church I was talking to somebody the other day. We got 40-something ministries. Guess what? Every one of them are designed to work in that dimension. Amen. Somebody, Brother Banks? Um, yes. Also, to, um, to say people that don't remember names. Yes. Because I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm Sometimes, one of them, too. Um, man, really, really, no. Yes, Something you can do is, if you remember anything from that conversation. I remember the papers in that yeah, use that because you, if you can remember that and you go talk to them and stuff, and they like, wow, you still remember that conversation we had a week ago or whatever. They Thanks still think you, you care. Right. You know, and, and it's true and now, now, I do be trying to remember people's names or their kids' names or whatever they have. Well, that's really too much. Well, I'm sorry. All right, so, so now, let's just say that, let's say that she has been coming here for six months. Okay. You have not met her. That's, that happens all the time. You haven't met her. Your humanity is going to stay away from her. Because you don't know her name. <laughs> you don't know her name. So what should you do? 
What should you do at this point? I actually like that. That was pretty good. Ask her how to spell yeah, just ask. Yeah. You know, but you gotta ask them. But how, how many people will say you stayed over here because you know you ought to and you don't? I, well, believe it or not, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. The way I am. Yeah. I'm gonna talk with the 9:30 service. Mm -hmm. Jasmine's little baby with her. And the first time I came to the 930 service, I did ask her her name, mm -hmm. but I forgot. Mm -hmm. So when I came to the next 930 service, you asked her I, name? Said, I, know, I said, I, I don't remember your name. I know it starts with a P. Mm -hmm. And she told me. Yeah. Now, I'm a customer service Absolutely. five days a week. You you go. I see over 2,000 clients a month. I don't remember it, all it's of it. But it's, be it's better just to admit it <laughs> and, and, say, and say, I forgot your name, that, than for me to avoid him, or than for me to avoid her. Now, how many would say you avoided people for that reason? You want to know what the other trick to that is? What's that? The fact that they probably forgot your name. I got something good for someone who works with over 600 children. I have to know all of their names. I don't remember all of their names, but I can kind of jump on a lot of things you guys said, like um, Dr. Clark said. A name is important because a child will come up to me and say, do you remember my name? Yep. Yeah. When, when I have to remember it. However, a uh, good morning is the, mm -hmm. is sometimes the first time they hear it when they hear it from me. So you can always say good morning, mm -hmm. even if you don't know someone's name. Then you right. can always say have a blessed week mm -hmm. if you don't know someone's name. Yeah. And if you start remembering some of the things they say, then you have a hook. Counselor, mm -hmm. yep. I always use the hook. In other words, you know, people see you or as a dean, as a DM, they see you up here. When you start knowing they like sports or they like movies, and you come in with those things, then you go to relationships that way. Um, and it's, you know, that's also another way of going. Tell them you live. But admitting that you don't know it and asking so, what it is, it's better, it's better than hiding from them or. or it's, it's when it comes to I was just going to say, I cheat because being a greeter, I see the visitor card. And a lot of times I can remember the face, and but if I can go back to the card, I can click and in my opinion, if anybody was to come to me and say, now, uh, this person, do you know their name? Where is this person sitting at, et cetera, et cetera. I can go and I can look and then I can say, well, this is so-and-so. So, so the first thing when someone walks through that door, that's where I've been is we should greet them. Our, our greeters are there. Sometimes we have, especially big services, we'll have some guys at the front doors open if you can say their name, that's awesome. That's amazing. That makes somebody, she was talking about her students in, at school, and, and you, what are you doing when you call them by their name? In their mind, you're adding value. You're adding value to them. And, and they feel like they're important enough that you remember and knew my name. 
Now, are you going to remember that all the time? No. no. Are you going to be perfect at that? Absolutely not. But guess what? If we're going to assimilate people, we got to try. Yeah. We just got. We've got. We've got to give effort. So I think we we can work stronger and more and harder to become better. And if we become better at assimilating, then each one of the ministries that we work within is going to grow. It's going to grow. And it, it, it's going to grow. And it's, it, no matter what you are involved in or doing, Brother Cruz is, is over maintenance, working with maintenance ministries. Guess what? When he starts adding value to people, calling them by their name, greeting them, welcoming them, he'll have more help in that ministry as people connected to him and will say, because of that person is why I'm here. Or because of that person is why I came the second time. Or because of that person is why I came the third time. God uses us. It's about God. But he uses humanity, he uses people to do his work. We are his hands and his feet here. And he uses us. And so the first time somebody comes through, they should have someone breathing in. The second thing, they should have someone giving them directions. If they're new, telling them where, we got a lot of things happening. And, and sometimes I have to ask where something's at. We, we need, you know, that's one of the other things. And then the third thing, we do it on Sundays, not necessarily Tuesdays, but it's so important, our ushers, and that's uh, 
finding someone to see, especially in an already crowded sanctuary. A first-time guest, and I've seen it happen here multiple times. There's, you know, first-time guests up here on the first, you know, this row up here or something. We, we, we need to, we've got to work on those things. Those are, those are important things because those people feel like Sister Drake did sitting up here in front of everybody, around everybody. We've got to have, I think Mark said empathy, was that the word? And we've got to have an empathy with the first time guests. What would we feel like? What would we want? We've got to have empathy with the second time guests. We've got to put ourselves in their shoes in order for them to return and come back. And then so on. At what point, I want to ask you this. I'm getting ready to close. What point does our calling of assimilation stop? How long has somebody lived for God that we're no longer focused on putting ourselves in their shoes? Seeing how they feel. Second guess, have they been here six months, so now they're an elder or two years, and now we don't have to have that empathy anymore? You know, there's a lot of people that left churches hurt because people thought they were stronger than what they were. And they were, I'm, I'm not saying that we should get our feelings hurt every, you know, every three and a half services. <laughs> but I am saying we do have to care what's going on in someone's life because I have watched people live for God. You thought they were strong as they could be. And they left. Not just the church. Left living for God. Something else you can do. You meet someone. Hi, my name's Pastor Crutchfield. Or sometimes, notoriously, I'll say, Hey, I'm Tommy Crutchfield. How are you doing? And it's just me. That's just how, how I do things. And, and, and then later, they're like, Oh, you're the pastor. Yeah. But, uh, but when I met them, I met them just as, as uh, everybody else because that's what ultimately I am. You know, offering to find them seat. Offering to give them directions. Whose responsibility is that? Everybody's. Everybody can take part in that. And, and offering to get them involved. How, how, you know, hey, I work with uh, this area. You know, or here's my card. I mean, he's got cards. Joy's always got cards. you got cards. And, uh, and, and, and the fact is, is God wants us to be connect points. He wants us, and we start... And early in what we're called to do, we're like this. But as we grow, hopefully we become to where we're more than one connect point. To where we're uh, able to branch off and have many branches coming from our connect points. But we've got to make sure that no matter how long we've lived for God, or no matter how long somebody else has lived for God, that we are not the cap that stops the flow. We are not the cap that stops the flow. And we've got to allow John 15, 12 and 13, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. I want to have those couplings. I want to have those branches. I got one more slide. One more slide. I'm going to share with you, and then we'll uh, then we'll move. You've got the core, and the core of the church, the core leadership, should always have multiple branches flowing from them in their connections. The uh, committed should either be have couplings or starting to have multiple branches. And then the congregation, depending on where someone is in their growth in God, should always have a coupling. They're always connecting to somebody, some way, somehow. And as far as none of us should be the caps. And ultimately the crowd in the community, that's who we're reaching. That's who we're witnessing to. That's ultimately who we're trying to win and assimilate people to the kingdom of God. Ultimately, to get them to heaven. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment. Would you stand with me? I give to you that you love one another. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why do we want to know somebody's name? Why do we care what they feel when they come in for the first time? Why, why do we care if they come back to church again? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. If you love somebody, you want to connect to them. If you love somebody, you want to reach them. That's what we're called to do. Can we call on the name of Jesus right now? Would you just reach out wherever you are? Altar's open if you'd like to talk to the Lord for a few moments. But would you just reach out to the Lord of glory? God help us as the body of Christ today. God help us to grow personally and as a congregation. Lord, help us to see areas of weakness, notice them, recognize them, and move forward from them, overcome them. God, help us to have overcoming power. Lord, help us to become the church body that you have called us to become. God, help each and every one of us. Lord, I know I've got my own stuff. I know, God, I've got my own inadequacy. He's helping to recognize those, lay them down in an altar, recognize them, and grow in your kingdom, God. I thank you and I praise you. Hallelujah. Help us tonight, God, as the body of Christ as we grow, as we work, oh Lord, to connect to people that you've designed for us to connect to in our lives. Help us, oh God, to have compassion, Lord, for how they're feeling and what they're going through. And God, help us to move forward in your kingdom. And everything that you've got for us, we 
thank you for this body of Christ. We thank you for this church, what you're doing among brothers and sisters. Strengthen us in the power of the Holy Ghost. We love you. We praise you. We exalt you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Praise God. Connected, connected, and connected through assimilation. Let that marinate in, uh, in your spirit and soak in to everything you're called to do. And your calling is going to be stronger. Our ushers are coming to receive tonight's tithes and offerings. I know we have a shower here at 11 o'clock on Saturday. And All Nations Sunday is coming up on the 15th. On the 31st, we're going to have prayer here at 6.30. After that, we're going to have a night of fellowship as they're doing a trunk retreat outside. That's on the 31st. And we do have a business meeting coming up uh, one week from last night. Let me look at that date. On the, on the 6th, right now. Right, 2nd. On the 2nd. So give, it will come back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Let's praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's pray over this offering. Lord, we're thankful for what you're doing. Pray that you bless this giving tonight, this offering to you, Lord, to your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Step out and greet each other. God bless you. Thank you for being attentive tonight. In Jesus' name.